Are you proud that your son, by the way, young Baldy is the son of older Baldy. Are you proud that I knew what you were talking about when you I started this? I figured you would. I wouldn't have asked. I, I'm like a lawyer. I rarely ask a question <laughs> that I don't know the answer to. Then I don't know what the answer will be. Yeah, long-term I capital. You, I wanted to brag on you a little bit. <laughs> Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jake and Jeff McClure. Together, we will talk about the most inspiring and um, um, exciting concepts like the GDP and productivity and other very exciting, I promise, things. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to do our best to um, at least entertain, if not befuddle, confuse, and baffle you all. Because that is part of talking economics, is that we will do our best to educate, but that often leads to um, uh, other problems. Uh, I think a lot of ed- uh, economists wind up in dictatorships being sent to re-education camps. So maybe the education you get here will have to be re-educated out of you. But uh, that's part of our disclosure. This is an educational program, not a paid commercial uh, for our firm. Though we have a firm and we will plug it occasionally. We're not paying for this program. Uh, we're also not getting paid for the program. Uh, we uh, do pay for advertising advertising for the program but so does the studio if you can say that's called paying uh so there is no quid pro quo senator we've only been doing a free program for 25 years now 26 years 26 years wow and what do you get another day older definitely or 26 years older i'm not but sure not about the in debt. not no, no not if you've been listening to us uh so we are uh the personal wealth coach this is the program jeff and jake are the two hosts here. We're both bald and bearded and love puns. If that turns you off, you may turn the channel. Um, you could have done that without my permission, too, just as a heads up. Uh, the uh, two of us are also the principals at a firm called The Personal Wealth Coach, which isn't coincidental. It's what we do for a living when we're not on the air. Uh, and that firm is registered with the SEC to give investment advice at the fiduciary level to people that are um, needing it. And we, uh, we do that on our paid time. We can't do it on the air because on the air we have to maintain a degree of privacy and one size truly does not fit all when it comes to the investment world or the economics world. It's just the truth. You can't give a piece of advice that's good for everyone except for buy low, sell high, unless it's somebody that doesn't even want to get in the market. Then you just gave bad advice. So what are we doing instead of advice? We're giving education. So let's see. I think I hit all of the pieces that I was supposed to hit. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, oh, one more. Just because the firm's registered with the SEC doesn't mean that the SEC likes us. They they are not. We're not implying that the government thinks that we're cool because that's not the government's job. And if the government says you're cool, it's almost by definition that you're not. Because what cool person wants the government to say you're cool? Well, I guess. Elvis Presley did, didn't he? I don't know. It's debatable whether he was cool at that point. And what I'm trying to say is that the SEC is not in the business of saying people are, are good. They are in the business of saying that people are bad. And so far, we haven't gotten that moniker. Uh, please knock on some 
dead trees. There, there, there you go. Okay. Uh, and you have your, your disclosure to give. This is the most important of all. Oh, it is, it is every week. Oh, uh, yes. It is fantastical. Go ahead. Oh, boy. The information that we present on this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. He says that over dinner conversations as well, just just to let you know. This isn't just on the radio. He says that, generally speaking, um, when when discussing um, the price of green beans. So that's that's important to know. I think everybody should give that disclosure more regularly. Whether or not the deeming, this is the the big thing, is that we all know people that deem their information to be accurate, um, and we don't deem them to be accurate. So we've just told you that our opinion is that we're saying things that, in our opinion, are correct. But you might have another opinion. So that's a disclosure, too. So what happened this week in the market? Well, it was September all week, although it's getting close to being over. And by the way, we need to mention that today is the officially we are now in fall i wondered why i had that vertigo sensation i I was falling all day and i didn't even realize it yeah i think it was 134 this morning that the uh the equinox occurred officially yes and we are no longer in summer we are now in autumn and it means today the length of the daylight is the same length as the nighttime in some places well equinox means equal nights Yes, equal day, equal night, equal night. And apparently it actually came from the fact that the night is exactly the same length in the northern hemisphere as it is in the southern hemisphere today. This is one of two days of the year that that happens. Yes, we, we do a little so, uh, recognition of that in our family for no, no, for no particular reason. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay, well, Knox. Well, the stock market, the U.S. stock market uh, in September traditionally tends to sag just a bit. Uh, It's nothing earth-shaking, and it's certainly not reliable enough to bail out of the market or bail back in. People have tried that and wound up losing a lot of money. But the there's no particular reason that the stock market fell a little bit. The S&P 500 fell just a little bit, but it did. Oh, there's a there's, um, a, there's a reason. I'll, I'll tell you the reason. People were selling, okay. and other people were buying, but they weren't buying as vehemently as the people were selling. That's why that makes going. sense. And then that's our answer any day of the market down. We know why it happened. Why were they selling? Oh, we don't know about that. That that's, um, but we know they were selling. Okay, so we sound very important, even if we don't know really anything. You gotta you gotta admit that we do sound really intelligent when we talk these fancy numbers. Yes. The, um, it's all uh, obfuscation. For the week, the stock market fell, the S&P 500 fell 2.93%. Uh, but it's still in pretty good shape. Uh, for the year, it's up 12.52%, 12.5% higher than when the year began. It's 21% higher than it was last October, 93% higher than it was back in March of 2020, which I know sounds like ancient history at this point, but that was the last time we encountered people who really wanted to get out because they thought the world was coming to an end. And it's about 37, 37% higher than it was three years ago. So if you've been investing over the last three years, you've had three very good years, unusually high gains well, in the stock market over well, those years. They, over the three-year period, if you've been watching it the whole time, you might feel disappointed at this point because you were higher in 2022 at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. than you are right. now. So you might think that 2022 was a bad year and 2023 has been only okay. But yeah, well, when you put it together, it looks great. The peak it hit back in uh, early 2022 
uh, was 10% higher than where we are today. So it's down 10%. We also follow the uh, a mid-cap index fund, CRSP mid-cap index. Uh, it declined 2.53% for the week to 2290.03. It's now about 2% lower than when the year began. And it's almost 12% below its peak in early 2022. So if by some reckoning, we've been in a bear market since 2022. Um, by other reckonings, we are in a bull market. Um, this is, which is pretty typical. Right now, having having signals that we are in opposite places in the economy and in the market seems to have become normal. The bond market is where the fun is, though, if you call it fun. Uh, if the you're in the bond market, you're probably not calling it fun at this point. No, the 10-year U.S. Treasury note stayed pretty much where it was last week. It's at 4.44%. Um, its yield rose above 4.5% for the first time since 2007 on Thursday, and then it slipped, slipped back down. Since the 2007. Treasury. Just keep that in mind, folks. This, is, this has been a while. 16 years. No, it was just the other day. Right. Uh, the 20-year Treasury bond is yielding 4.7, and the 30-year 4.53. Now, that's significant because what we have is beyond 10 years, you're seeing the interest rates continuing to rise. The 10-year note may be at four point, uh, roughly, well, it's in the fours. It's staying in the fours. It's not getting to 4.5, 4.4. Short-term interest rates, the, the um, U.S. Treasuries that mature in less than one year, if you annualize their return, it's they're all above 5.5%. And this is kind of the news. Um, no, the Federal Reserve did not raise short-term interest rates at this meeting, although they said they sure could raise it one more time easily. Uh, but the big thing is we have this peculiar yield curve where short-term rates are much higher than mid-term rates, and they're somewhat higher than long-term rates. And it the, the, the interesting thing about the... Um, news conference following the Fed meeting where the chairman gets up and talks to reporters and makes comments. He's continuing to emphasize that he reads the papers too. He keeps up with what the pundits are saying. And he can, and, and every meeting, he says the same thing. And they, oddly enough, they say the same thing in Europe. They're saying the same thing in the United Kingdom. Interest rates will remain higher longer than you seem to be anticipating. Yeah. And that's actually now, feeds, feeds into one of our questions. So I don't want to jump into the market time okay. period, but our question will get it deep into that. What's going on here? Yeah. Why, why is that happening? Well, West Texas Intermediate Crude, which is the other thing we follow in this. Oh, by the way, this if you own a portfolio of generic treasury bonds or most actually most other kinds of bonds too, and you've been watching your market value of your portfolio, you may very well have seen something that is for a first in history. In the 250 years or so that the United States has been in existence, it has had bonds on the market of various kinds of markets. But for the first time in that 250 years, treasury bonds have decreased in value for three consecutive years at this point. Uh, and frankly, I strongly suspect they will continue to fall in value for at least another year. Now, this, uh, this is the first in time in history that this has been yeah. the case in the United States. And frankly, it's not very, it's not unexpected to us, but it apparently is unexpected to a lot of people. Yeah. When, when the government borrowed the money that it borrowed, and I would welcome people, grandly welcome people to go back to look at the stimulus time period in 2020, 
go back and listen to our programs during that time period. And we said, this stimulus is absolutely necessary or we're going to go into a deep recession, probably a depression. Uh, it would have been bad because the unemployment rate went through the roof. The All the businesses were shut down without the unemployment essentially replacing a lot of people's pay completely without the Paycheck Protection Program, without this massive government spend, our economy would not have been easy to recover. It would have been the, the it would have not been repairing semi still intact businesses. It would have been trying to glue back together pieces of the whole China shop. It all broke. China uh, shop. That's interesting. Yeah, it's a bull in the China shop concept, you know. Uh, so COVID was the bull. And so this stimulus was basically coming in and wrapping duct tape all over the, the porcelain, uh, put duct tape on everything. And then if it breaks, at least we can glue it back together. And we spent a lot of money on duct tape. And at that time period, when it was going on, we said this clearly, interest rates are at record lows. We're borrowing at short, short, short term. That means when we renew this debt, it's going to cost us money. It's going to cost us money to renew the debt, and that's going to cause the value of our portfolio there to go down, the government bond stuff. So it is the price we're paying in the bond market today for rescuing the whole economy three years ago. And that's a facet. And I'm, again, I jumped in in the middle of the market. You're not done. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm go, not go done ahead. with the market, but I want to talk about that a little further too. The West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil is now up above, last week it was above 90. It's still above $90, which means um, you're going to see gas prices higher. Uh, so they've risen and they're going to stay that way, which is not helping the Fed in its fight against inflation because the price of, of petroleum filters and trickles all through the economy. Um, but thing that in perspective, uh, this is the highest oil prices have been since, well, a year ago, which is not earth shaking, but a year ago. Well, and, wait, wait a minute. When you're talking oil and earth shaking, you actually, with fracking, you can get earth shaking. Right. So, I got that. so this, this you know, we've got to check our, our metaphors here. So, but it's good to remember that a couple of years ago, oil was priced at $120 a barrel and now it's 90. So it's not that bad. It's not, it, it, I don't think it's going to cause a great deal of difficulty in the economy. In fact, if, um, if it had been that high and dropped to the number that we're at now, we would all be rejoicing. Yes. Uh, or it, because it was lower before, now we're kind of depressed. And that's just how we but, are as humans. But it's having an effect. And let me explain that effect just a little bit. My wife just bought a car. And uh, it is telling her that she's getting 149 miles per gallon. Uh -huh. And oddly enough, the rising cost of gasoline may be accelerating the economy. Towards getting I don't, alternative technologies. Right. Towards getting new and alternative technology. It's a plug-in, for whatever it's worth, it's a plug-in vehicle. It's a, it's a hybrid plug-in. It'll go about 40 miles with no gasoline. I'll, I'll and beyond up. that, it, it, gets, it burns just a little bit. I know we're still on the market, but I'm just going to do it anyway. You, you did it, so I'm going to do it. The, there's a point in history that doesn't really feel like history to probably most of our listeners or to us because we experienced it. So it can't be history. But the collapse of General Motors and of... Uh, Chevrolet and and uh, basically the collapse of almost all of the American car giants. Ford made it through. Took place for kind of similar reasons. One, they had a bunch of union issues that, whoa, well, that's happening again, isn't it? 
Um, two, uh, they misjudged thoroughly what people were going to buy because Americans like to buy really big cars and then the price of gas went up and suddenly Americans didn't want to buy really big cars and those were the only cars on the lots. And then the global financial crisis hit, leaving them holding a lot of extra debt, the unions not happy with them, and having to pay retirees a whole bunch of money before they even started building a car, which made their cars more expensive. And it caused the collapse of these massive giants of the industry because they misjudged the price of gas and what that would do to what people were buying in automobiles. And what the UAW is doing right now is doing a... This is a a topic for later, or I'm going to spend the whole market time talking about this. But there's more to talk about on this subject. There's things that that governments and that unions and that constituents do during technological shifts that make no sense and either accelerate or decelerate the shift to a new technology. We'll talk about that in a bit. So it's like I'm pretty much pretty much done with the markets. Okay. The bottom line to it is oil is up for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, the Saudis and the Russians have concluded that they don't want to produce as much oil as they did before, so that price that forces the price of oil up. But the biggest thing driving a higher cost of petroleum is that the United States economy is booming, and we'll talk about. I want to talk about that a little further down, uh, more about what's happening in the economy. I, uh, I read a very good article on why we may have dodged a recession yeah, and why our economy is booming when everybody thought it was going to be falling on its face. But anyway. Okay. Well, uh, so on to you. One of the things, you know, this is the 25th anniversary of something we've come to depend on that didn't exist before. Uh, September 23rd, 1998. Approximately. It's in the twenties, early twenties of 1998. Do you remember what happened? The yes, the, I do. As a matter of fact, is the Asian contagion, the uh, long-term capital management. Yeah, I know this floor. because I'm uh, yeah, on a first-name basis with one of the people that that did it, and he's very humble so, about it. But he's got a Nobel Prize great. as well. He's very. <laughs> what happened in that crisis for the first time in American history? The Federal Reserve stepped in and bailed out a hedge fund. Instead of a bank. Right. And then it lowered interest rates, not because the economy was in trouble. Right. It didn't actually bail out the hedge fund. It dumped money into the market to prevent yeah. a hedge fund collapse from cratering the economy. Yeah. And we have gotten used to that over the 20, last 25 years, that if the stock market takes a nosedive, the Fed will react and bail us out. Are you proud that your son, by the way, Young Baldy is the son of Older Baldy. Are you proud that I knew what you were talking about when you I started I figured this? you would. I wouldn't have asked. I, I'm like a lawyer. I rarely ask a question <laughs> that I don't know the answer to. Then I don't know what the answer will be. Yeah, long term capital. You, I wanted to brag on you a little bit that you were in the middle of that. Yeah, they, um, they, they, they were got into currency manipulation and they were making a really good profit for a long time, and then they collapsed the economies and com- uh, currencies of most of Asia, and it almost spread to the whole world. Um, and the Federal Reserve helped to stop that. And at this point in time, they're. But they have less. They're doing that less and less and less. But they probably. But there's a, there's an assumption in the markets that what's called the Fed put, uh, which cushions the downside, is always lurking out there in the background. And of course, the reason is the Federal Reserve understands, and historically, it's true. A stock market crash typically is the strongest single uh, predictor 
of a major recession. And, and, and they're on top of it. It's just interesting that we've come to depend on something. We've come to rec- just assume that it's going to happen uh, when it didn't happen before 25 years ago. And, it's, and they're talking less and less about it happening in the future. But we'll see. It's a, it is something that is different in the economy that we haven't seen in a long time. Um, I mentioned earlier the, the PMI report. And I also, in the newsletter, we mentioned that the Fed has doing a prediction of rates for the next several years. And basically, the Fed is no longer in the position of saying we're going to have a recession. I think they're running ahead of the pack here. They are saying we will have a growth slowdown in 2024 so that for the year, the economy only grows 1.5%. And then it accelerates back up to growing about one8 which seems to be pretty close, or 2% seems to be pretty close to the max out there. I personally love that. I think it's true. And why do I think that? Because I have seen what leads up to recessions and market market crashes and recessions enough in my life to recognize that the wall of worry that a bull market climbs is still very much in place. There are still lots of naysayers. There's still lots of money that hasn't gone into the stock market that people want to have high gains on, and they're just holding on to it. There is not this, uh, this can go on forever, the sense that the market is at record highs. There are some ways in which this resembles the late 1990s, but there's other ways in which it doesn't at all. Uh, the bottom line to it is, is we're in a whole new world. As we come to the end of the hour, it's a good idea to remind people of that. Uh, I like what one of the members, the voting members of the Federal Reserve said, we are navigating by the stars in an overcast sky. Makes sense. And that is where we are, folks. We've got so many conflicting signals out there in the economy by the, by the statistical data. On the other hand, again, if you want to know how the economy is doing at a given moment, just try to drive on I-35 or something similar. Right. And, and I, I'm going to throw this in here because I think it's important. People were talking about we were either going to have a recession or a soft landing. And that one of the options wasn't listed, that we weren't going to land at all that we were going to continue to grow just slower. So the Federal Reserve, they could have very easily gone too fast and put us into a recession. It's still it's a still a possibility. We don't see that as, as happening, but it's a possibility out there. We could go into a recession from all of this stuff. Um, but the, the big a year ago, people were saying we're either going to go into a recession or somehow he's going to pilot us into the, that Powell was going to carefully guide us down and without a crash landing we were just going to land the airplane and everything was going to be okay we're still flying and we're still making our regularly scheduled stops we haven't had Mm -hmm. to do a soft landing we're still growing so this was a the third option wasn't even in discussion a year ago right and that's where we are uh and that is phenomenal uh, we can't give all of the credit to the Fed, but we can give a lot of the credit to the Fed for, for two major events, avoiding a depression, governments involved as well there, and that we threw a bunch of money at the stimulus level. But the Federal Reserve also stimulated the economy during that time period, and they did it first. They st- and it's, it's putting that in context, there's three major economic entities in the world today, the United States, the European Union, and China. That's right. Those are the three blocks. And the European Union is coasting along on the edge of a recession, if not in a recession. They have significantly higher inflation that, than we have. Yes, the UK um, was just uh, state, made a statement that their uh, inflation came in much lower than expected, and they were very rejoicing about that, and it 
came in at six point six seven six point seven yeah percent, where we're at three and we're going what you're happy about that uh, and China on the other side of the world is running a completely different experiment centrally controlling everything and they're coasting along on the edge of deflation and a severe recession um, we on the other hand and I, we've mentioned this before but it's good to keep it in context in our chaotic stupid weird economy that we have is uh, we are accelerating. And that is, it continues to be mind-boggling to me that it works. I'm sure it's mind-boggling to the people in China and Europe who are trying to figure this stuff out. But you need to thank God that you're living in the United States of America right now with all our warts and pimples. And we are running out of time for the second hour. So the wrap-up wrap up is the same wrap-up that we tend to give all the time, except I'm not wrapping up the news. I'm giving you some quick educational, keep your savings up, your debt down, uh, live within your means. I like to quote Mark Zandi here. Third quarter U.S. growth will likely remain buoyant at near 3 or 4%, putting year-over-year growth at near potential 2.5%. Inflation continues to moderate and consumer spending remains steadfast. As households after inflation incomes rise, debate over how much excess savings computer has is, is irrelevant. Yeah, We're in pretty good shape. Consumer confidence is holding up. Everything really looks good to us. Yeah. Um, if you would like to talk to us off the air, we're out of time. Uh, we have voicemail waiting locally uh, at 254-947-1111. And uh, toll free at 1-800-914-PLAN. We give fiduciary investment advice at the uh, uh, high net worth level and also do portfolio management. Um, if you would uh, like to talk to us otherwise, you can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com, tpwc.com. You can read our newsletter, sign up for it. You can listen to our radio program and podcasts or wherever you find podcasts. Contact us through the contact form or Jeff and or Jake at tpwc.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.